0: He's a libertarian in chief. This is the
1: libertarian chat. Just a libertarian chat
0: chief. Oh hey, I'm Kevin. I'm here too. All right, welcome to Chief Chats with Kevin Hobby and Todd Hagopian. I'm Kevin Hobby.
1: And I am Todd Hagopian and we have a very special guest today uh one of our opposites attract type thing uh Brianna Coyle and I are very good friends on Twitter and she has come uh to visit with us today Brianna would you like to introduce yourself
2: hello everyone I'm Brianna Coyle also known as one of the firebrands of the libertarian party (laughs) (laughs) um I'm terrible with introductions actually I always just blabber on and stuff so please feel free to just lead me and direct me (laughs) put a leash around me
1: perfect well we always start the episode with um what we find is that people come to liberty from all different walks of life and not many people were born libertarians so what we like to start with is just where did you come from brianna and how did you end up finding liberty and what did that path look like i think a lot of people benefit from hearing the different uh, paths that people took to full-blown libertarianism
2: Okay. So this is one of my favorite stories. So I basically became a libertarian by being a high school dropout. Um, And it sounds weird when I say it like that, but really my troubles with the education system is what led me to listen to Larry Sharp. And that is how I found out what a libertarian was. And then from there, there was the whole spiral of being against authoritarianism, learning more about the party, reading the platform. And naturally a lot of my views just clicked. And then I started uh, becoming more involved in party spaces online because, you know, libertarians was new to me. I only knew about Democrats and Republicans. I already knew their talking points, but libertarians was like a whole nother ball game, a whole different world. So then there was many conversations that I had with more radical libertarians who were essentially anarchists. And I was like, wow, these people are nuts. But then I became the stereotype of how people say in six months you go from anarchist to anarchist. And here we are now.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you brought up um, being in these libertarian spaces. Um, what, did, what did you get started with and kind of how did you progress through that? I know that you're a big part of Outright. And a couple of different groups do you just want to take us through what you started with and where you ended up
2: um yeah sure i started in a bunch of like miscellaneous facebook groups like not even like specifically libertarian party groups but just um unbranded libertarian groups and then i eventually started finding people in the party on facebook and it's funny when I tell this to people because they don't believe me. I tell people, if you ever want to get involved with the Libertarian Party, just go on Facebook. And they laugh, but it's so true because that's how you know all of the happenings that's going on within the inner party and with all of the party's prominent members. So basically I just started building connections and networking with people and talking to people, learning more. Um, and then I started learning about, um, the, you know, the different caucuses and groups and such. And even um, organizations like Outright or Feminists for Liberty that are nonprofits and not affiliated with the party itself.
0: Okay, um, so you've kind of been part of just all the different groups, I guess, th- throughout your time here.
2: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> throughout my small amount of time here, I've been in libertarian spaces since 2018, and goodness, it's been a ride. <laughs>
0: that's actually when I got involved too so we've been here the same amount of time oh um, wow yeah yeah um some people get like a false idea that I've been here a little bit longer I wish I would have got started whenever I was you would have been 18 when you first got started 17 oh, I, think
2: I, I think I was 17 yeah
0: yeah that's crazy it's crazy to think that you've made such a such a big impact in such a short amount of time so um You want to talk about some of your work with Outright and what you're doing there?
2: Uh, Yes, sure. So basically, to those who don't know, Outright is basically a LGBTQ organization that promotes libertarian values and pro-GSM values in the Libertarian Party. So I am the Outreach Director of Outright. It's a tongue twister sometimes, but um, basically what I do is I work with people who want to get involved on the front face of the organization. So that means things like social media or um, going to conventions and tabling, which unfortunately because of COVID, there has been a lack of conventions to table at and events to table at. But I'm trying to work on getting new literature because a lot of literature that Outright had was outdated from, I think, like 2008 or so. So I'm looking to get new literature to all of the conventions, all of the LP conventions, as well as literature at Pride events in people's local states uh, and counties. And we're just, doing, we're just doing a whole bunch with Outright. Like um, all of the different teams have been working really hard to just put Outright back on the map and really jumpstart the organization again. And it's been, it's been amazing working with all of these different people, all these different walks of life, basically. And I'm just really grateful to have met a lot of them because they really impacted me and my journey in the, the party a lot.
1: So that's really interesting. So, <clears throat> so I guess I didn't know all that Outright was doing. So when you go to Pride events, uh, which I anticipate are kind of uh, the larger Pride events where libertarians are not the major player there, how do people react when they...
2: See a libertarian kind of table at a pride event. Well, usually sh- okay. So there, a lot of the LGBTQ community is Democrats or on the left. That's not really yeah. surprised anyone. Yeah. Um, so the reaction to libertarians is usually a bit negative. But upon talking to people saying yes, we support your rights, they ease up to it. And a lot of people don't even know that the Libertarian Party supported. Um, gay marriage before the democrats did we did since uh 1972 the democrats didn't until 2012 and that's a shock to some people and this is not just gay marriage but a lot of issues and people don't know that because there's so many terrible stigmas of libertarians that uh, the left has
1: right that's actually why i asked the question because as i was running in uh 2020 my most common retort from a Democrat. I was running against a Republican with no Democrat opposition. And the most common thing that I would hear right away is, oh my God, you're a libertarian. You're worse than a Republican. That's those are Mm -hmm. the four words I kept hearing. Yep. (laughs) And so, and um, so I was curious if you got kind of that same vibe at the beginning before you had a chance to explain yourself. Uh,
2: Most definitely. And the the reason that I don't attack those people immediately is because I ha- I understand exactly where they're coming from, because I have come across libertarians that are indeed worse than Republicans. But most often than not, they're not even libertarians. If you go into a lot of um, libertarian, quote unquote, spaces online, a lot of those people literally aren't libertarians, are not affiliated with the party. They are more so... Um, how would I say this? I guess nationalist Republicans, they love calling themselves libertarians for some reason. And then people see them and they're like, oh, that's a libertarian because they don't know what a libertarian is. We have terrible branding. Um, And yeah, it's just really hard to have to deal with that all the time. But what I like to do is just try to break it down be like, I understand why you think this, but it's not true. And then just try to ease into the conversation instead of just laughing them off or brushing them off. I try to be understanding and sympathetic to why they believe those things.
1: Sure. So what's the typical uh, kind of goal when you go to a pride event? Are you are you trying to get people to sign up for the party? Are you just spreading the word? Like, wh- what is the goal? And then how do you usually do with it?
2: Um, well, usually when it comes to outright, we want people to sign up for outright. But I believe at a lot of um, tabling events, uh, libertarian groups have had... Um, voter registration forms on them uh, most of the time when you hear about tabling events in like local communities people always have voter registration forms in the states that you can register libertarian and new york is one of them but um that is definitely one of the priorities but it's hard it's definitely hard at those sort of events because a lot of people they don't want to be dealing with political solic- solicitations you know they're just there they're to have a good time, to spread a message, whatever the case is, but it, some people do have more positive receptions because a lot of people don't feel like they have a place in the two-party system, and by talking to them, they might it might awaken something in them, and it might make them feel like, wow, this makes sense to me. So it's always good to just just in case have these things on hand if they want to change their res- registration or just have literature of some sort that they could take home with them so they can learn more. And the goal, as always, is just to spread the message of liberty at all times, regardless of whether that's through the party or through another avenue.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You were.
1: Go ahead.
0: You were kind of echoing something that I say all the time as far as our messaging. You know, I bring up all the time that part of our issue with messaging as libertarians is that we don't message ourselves as being the most progressive when it comes to these social issues we focus more on economics and these type of other things that appeal to republicans and you know like you were saying republican nationalists that like to call themselves libertarians i call them spicy republicans um because they think it makes them sound edgy Mm -hmm. so i echo i echo that same sentiment that you have that if we were to come out and say like hey we supported gay marriage in 72 you know we were for trans rights long before anybody else we were we're more progressive than all of these other groups, then we could appeal to a whole nother subsection, especially of younger people, because most young people vote specifically based on social issues and they're progressive and the Democrats yes. do such a, do such a good job of messaging to them that they come along and they're like, well, you know, I think gay people, I think gay people and Mexicans, you know, I think they're human. So I guess I'm not a Republican. I got to be a Democrat. And then they get it, sucked into yeah. that. Yeah, and then they get sucked into that. Yeah. So what do you think that we could do to improve our messaging as far as progressives and and the left and showcasing that we are very socially progressive and things like that?
2: Okay, well, the first step would to be breaking down their their previous connotations of libertarians. I think Spike Cohen has done this a bit uh, about debunking myths about libertarianism things of that nature, and then just saying, yes, we support this, or basically furthering a a narrative that they have not heard before. Especially when a lot of libertarians, they see Republicans as our natural allies, when it's always the Republicans trying to kick us off the ballot. Um, We just have to start talking about other issues that younger, especially younger people care about. Because I can admit as a young person, uh, back when I just I identified as a progressive, I didn't identify as a Democrat, but as a progressive, um, before I found out what a libertarian was. And young people, they don't give a shit about economics. They just want to hear what sounds good and what sounds equal and fair for everyone. And if you can frame libertarianism in that way, they'll think it sounds great. Just don't call it libertarianism. Then the second you do, they're going to turn their ears off because they think libertarianism is evil because of what they've heard. That's basically it. And talking about social issues, especially, I think is the way to go. We don't like, as I say, a lot of times, it's easier to convince somebody uh, to have a conversation on economics than it is to convince somebody like, hey, maybe gay people are human, you know, it's just that's how I've always seen it, because I don't have those problems with Democrats. I don't have to sit there with Democrats talking about why gay people should have the, the legal right to marry each other. But I've had to do that with Republicans. I've had to have conversations with Republicans on why we shouldn't enforce the Bible and the Constitution. So this is this is just my own biases and my own experiences talking. But I've just had easier conversations talking um to the left and a lot of people they have the opposite and they can only talk to the right and that's fine too but when it comes to that the lp we always shut out anyone who is even relatively close to being able to message people on the left for some reason it's obnoxious
0: no i totally agree and you know um you know i was the same way whenever i was whenever i was you know 18 19 20 21 I voted only on social issues. So I came in and was very socially progressive, just like all my friends were. I, you know, got, went one step further. Like you said, you didn't identify as a Democrat, you identified as a progressive. I went all the way into full-blown Marxist. And because I thought that Marxism was the the only way to achieve this equality that I wanted. And, you know, later on in life, I, I pulled back from that just through life experiences. But I I feel you 100% whenever you start talking about any type of messaging to the left, it's really taboo in the libertarian space. It's very like, you know, I see it all the time and and have got into kind of debates. Todd baited me into a debate with uh, Fritz here not too long ago, so I got to bait him now. But it blows my mind that we talk about Massey. For example, Massey being this, you know, he's the ultimate Republican libertarian and people hold him up because he has these three or four libertarian views. Well, AOC has just as many, if not more libertarian views, but we never talk about her. She's demonized within our she circle. She is the devil, moment. literally. <laughs> yeah, even though even though Massey doesn't agree with us on immigration, he doesn't agree with us on LGBTQ rights, he doesn't agree with us on Pretty much, you know, most of the platform outside of economic issues, but AOC is right there with us on everything but economic issues.
2: Yeah, pretty much. It's just people's own biases because majority of the party is ex-Republican. That's just how it is. That's just the truth of how the party is. And um it's it's just it's very, very hard to explain that to people, people who hold up economics as the most important thing and not civil liberties. Or some people might hold up civil liberties more and not economics, but there's just, it's just hypocrisy either way. And I especially hate it with uh, the Massey and AOC thing. But even if we're talking about Justin Amash, Justin Amash I've always liked. He doesn't agree with us on every issue either, but he's definitely a world's away from Thomas Massey, in my opinion. And if you ever go on Justin Amash's Twitter and when he's repping the LP, telling people, yeah, yeah, join the LP, you look at the comments, everybody says not until you kick out Rand Paul as if Rand Paul was ever a part of the party to begin with that's how little people know about libertarianism and it drives me nuts
0: no I, I totally
2: I
1: to put my microphone on mute while I was yelling at the computer uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so I think the the thing that I've talked about for a couple of years now and the thing that I think libertarians don't understand uh, from a national party perspective or from a recruiting perspective, is in business, you have different target markets and you go to those different target markets um, through segmentation, you go through with different messages, different benefits and features that matter to that target market over another. Um, And what you guys are basically saying, um, if you were to look at that from a business standpoint, You would have people dedicated to going after the left with progressive messaging. You would have people dedicated to going after the right with economic messaging. You would have people dedicated to going after um, the anti-government folks with anarchist messaging and the mushy middle, you know, independent folks who don't really know what they want to be when they grow up with, um, (laughs) you know, with, with a different type of messaging, and that's how you would do it. And the fact is we don't have any of that. We have um, a group of folks who run the party who fight over which of those messages is the right one. When in reality, none of those messages is the right one. All of those Or messages, all of them, yeah. yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: All of those messages have portions of the platform. And all you're doing is highlighting the part of the platform that's most important or most interesting to that segment. So for example, Brianna, if you had come to me Maybe eight years ago, and pitched me your version of you know the most important parts of libertarianism. I never would have listened to you, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so Justin Amash was right next door, you know, to me in Michigan, and so I followed him and and wound up becoming a libertarian way before he became a libertarian, you know. Um, and uh, and that's how he got me. You know, was essentially opening my eyes to. I was already there economically, but opening my eyes to some of the social issues where I was like, why is Amash supporting this when I never would? You know what I mean? And it made me dig into it, really question Mm -hmm. my motives. And that's how you get people, though, is you get them on a few of the things that they believe in. And then you start introducing the other concepts. And we are terrible, terrible at that. And it's one of the things... Uh, that I was going to ask you, because I know you've been involved in a variety of different caucuses just in the Mm -hmm. last couple of years. One of the things I view the caucuses as is a recruiting tool um, to go out there and introduce libertarianism to those different groups. And that's why I was asking you about the Outright Caucus and how you approach that, uh, because I think it's a fantastic way to have that initial conversation uh, in a more targeted way than we ever do from a national LP level.
2: Mm Yeah, I, I completely agree. I actually think that that's what the caucuses should do. But the reality of the caucuses in the LP is that they, they're they not really doing outreach. They're kind of just doing in-reach, so to speak. They're just talking of, about issues that people care about inside the party and not actually going outside the party with them. Like, there's a lot of single-issue caucuses, too. Like, um, I think the, the Sex Workers' Rights Caucus, for example... Right. That's a single issue caucus or the, the pro-choice libertarians caucus. That's a, you know, single issue caucus. But then we have caucuses like, say, um, the socks like they don't they don't actually go out and recruit people to the party. That was never the caucus's goal or intent. Right. And I've been involved with quite a few caucuses. The reason why I like the radicals so much is because they're just straight up with their messaging, regardless of I understand the point of trying to ease people into it, but I can also see how that can cause problems in the party because the party is so big tent and nobody knows what the heck we stand for. And it gets frustrating when, um, when I'm over here on the internet being a smart ass to people saying, yeah, the libertarians believe in this. And I got people saying, well, no, you don't. Libertarians don't believe in open borders. And I'm like, yes, we do. It's in the platform, but people refuse to read it. So, Um, What I wanted to talk about a bit is the Radical Caucus platform was actually the LP platform before 2006. In 2006, a bunch of delegates basically came forward and just yeeted the platform. They just said, goodbye, LP Planks. And then it went from, I think, 61 to 15, something like that. And from there on, a lot of people just forgot a bunch of the issues that the party used to talk about and stand for. A lot of libertarians in the party, of course, still talk about and stand for them, but publicly, people didn't know. Like, if you spoke to, like, um, the average voter, either they know what a libertarian is and they're wrong, or they never heard of a libertarian before. And that's why the goal of caucuses should be outreach in the first place. The only problem that I see with that is if you're doing too much outreach on single issues and you're not talking about a variety of issues. I feel like you're just gonna bring in a bunch of people who only care about one or two things and not the rest. And that's what I that's what I feel has happened in a lot of ways too. When we have a bunch of statists coming in the party and then they're getting into positions of leadership and they're over here saying we gotta back the blue and stuff like that. It's just I, I find it super cringe. And then I, then ironically enough, I am the Marxist for saying defund the police. As a libertarian
1: and so and so it's interesting that you bring that so first of all thank you uh i believe you were the one that brought me into the radical caucus So i am a member of the radical caucus as Welcome. well as, um, so, um, i have two caucuses now that i am members of um but from a radical caucus standpoint i've always found this interesting um because because what I'm a big 80, 20 guy, right? So I, I believe in uh, focus and I believe that having, you know, whatever we had before 20, uh, 2006, 50 blanks, um is, is not focused enough. And I kind of like the fact that they dug it down to um, a dozen or so. However, since then it's gone back up to about 30, if I'm not mistaken. Um,
2: Possibly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, And when I brought up during my brief, very brief chair campaign, uh, the 80 20 saying we need to pick five or 10 that we really focus on and pump so that people can answer that exact question that you just posed what is a libertarian? Because everyone can answer what's a Democrat and what's a Republican, even if they're wrong. They can all answer it and they're confident about the answer. Nobody can answer what's a libertarian. The biggest pushback I get is we're never going to agree on the five or six most important planks. And I think Mm -hmm. um, that's probably a fair criticism because of what we've all been talking about today. You know, you and Kevin tend to focus on the progressive issues. I'm going to be over here in the economic side preaching, you know, all the time. Um, And so it's just interesting that radicals focus on so many planks. What I really like about the radical caucus is uh, the fact that, I don't like incrementalism. And I love the fact that the caucus um, basically abhors in incrementalism, right? So yes. Mm-hmm. Hold people accountable to, if you believe in this plank, then you believe in this plank. You don't believe in this plank over a period of 30 years. That's why I like the caucus.
2: Mm-hmm. So one thing, I, I completely get what you're saying about having too many planks. But if you look at the major parties, if you look at like their platforms it's like freaking 200 pages long i think that having a few issues that we could focus on is good but i also like having a more expansive platform so that people know that we're not just this vague independent party that's a little bit left and a little bit right you know that that i just i'm not a fan of that kind of milk toast messaging that's also why i'm a radical i love bold principled messaging i love consistency and it's okay to, to focus on a, uh, a few certain issues. And it's true that we're as libertarians, we're never going to decide on them. But that is again, what the caucuses should be for and should be doing. And I think at least having a platform that highlights v- a variety of issues is a good thing too. Because a lot of people will ask questions and a lot about certain policy positions and libertarians have terrible answers like, how are you going to help uh, climate change? How are you, you know, how are you going to stop climate change or help the environment? Yada yada yada. And libertarians will just be like, "Well, get the government out of it." Like that—that th- really doesn't bring confidence in voters. That's—that's that's how I feel about that, anyway.
0: <laughs> no, I agree with that totally. So that's—that's that's a big part of my messaging while running for chair of the OKLP. You know, um, is providing answers to the questions and. So like, I think that instead of saying, well, you know, uh, when people say, what are you going to do about the homeless? Well, you know, if the government wasn't there, then the market would provide, okay, well, what does that look like? So, you know, part of my deal is raising funding for homeless shelters, you know, going out and helping at these food banks, going out and helping in these things and showing that volunteerism works because right now we've got the government is subsidizing these charities and these charities are doing this work. And then we have the libertarians online that are talking about all of these things that they would do, or they could do if the government wasn't in the way, but they're not and doing these things. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that to your point, you know, we, we've been, you know, I said it whenever I announced my candidacy, you know, we've been winning arguments and losing elections for 50 years and we lose those elections because we, we don't do anything to prove that our principles work. We're trying to sell a product that we haven't proved works yet.
2: Exactly. And it's, it's so frustrating because libertarianism is, is great. We have great principles, great ideas, and we can market that in a compassionate way to people, yet we don't. We are, so many libertarians are fixated on this brutalist survival of the fittest attitude, instead of something more appealing to the general general public. And I'm not saying that we have to go along with um, whatever narrative is most popular or anything. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, hey, maybe we should try to have a little empathy for people. And that will spread our ideas better than if we say, oh, yeah, I guess the poor will just die then. They shouldn't be poor. Because I've seen libertarians say these awful heinous things. And I don't wonder for a second why people don't want to be a libertarian. Like, it's all over the place. And I think if we change our culture within ourselves and within our own circles, then that's going to help how we project ourselves to the outside world that are not in LP spaces. Because reality is, most, most people don't know what a libertarian is. We're not all that relevant to the general public. And what matters is... I think two things: our our local, uh, county, and state organizations, their social media pages, and then our candidates. I think those are the two biggest things: having a strong social media game and a strong ground game. Because just having paper candidates with no websites and just letting people talk—that's not going to solidify anything. It's not. It's not going to to help people understand our perspective on anything.
0: No, I agree, and I think that you know some rebranding is needed. That's um, I hate I hate to keep coming back to it, but you're speaking my language. But you know that's part of my campaign. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna my deal is like we're gonna stop trying to be the smartest people in the room and prove that we're the most compassionate in the room. We care about your freedoms because we care about you. And I don't think that that messaging is there. I think that for the most part, you know, we have done a really good job of we know the materials, we know all of these things. But like you said. The general populace doesn't give a shit about economics. They do not care about Austrian economics. They have no idea who Mises is. They have no idea who Rothbard is. They know who Marx is, but they probably don't really know who he is. They just know these things. They probably think that, you know, the USSR was a Marxist country when they were a Leninist and a Stalinist country. They don't understand the differences between those things. Whoa,
2: nuance. I didn't know that was a thing.
0: What? (laughs) um yeah so you know it all gets categorized because people don't care about economics they don't care about those things they're not things that impact their everyday lives and so part of my messaging and part of what we're trying to do in oklahoma is changing that narrative from being the people that argue about economics online to the people that you see in the streets and it's like hey who's that group helping you know all those are the libertarians you know, they they believe in this volunteerism, they believe in these things. And so um, I totally agree with your, with your point there that we could, we could do so much better if we were out doing the work, even if the work sucks.
2: Yeah, that, that would be beautiful, honestly, because I can't tell you how many, how many times I've just seen libertarians complain about things and then not do anything. Like, I personally, I went to a few Black Lives Matter rallies in the heart of New York City. And then I literally I called a Marxist for supporting them and I was like "Um, okay I was handing out water bottles to people in my community but whatever Um, and it's just I completely agree with everything you're saying like you have no idea how much it resonates with me.
0: No um, I think that 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 messaging will resonate with a lot of people it just hasn't been put out there you know we uh because are so many intelligent and smart people within the party they just assume that everybody has the same you know like you and i i whenever i see somebody i automatically assume that they have the same values as me you know that they're compassionate that they care about these social issues when in reality they don't and i think the same thing happens from the other side you have people that you know they believe in economic principles they believe in austrian economics they believe in these things and they just automatically assume that everybody else does and it's kind of like a you know it's a it's a bias that you have coming into the conversation and i think that we do a really bad job of carrying those biases whenever we come in and even amongst ourselves you know you you see this dynamic it's not as bad as it used to be but you know i made a tweet the other day about i think that we're we're like sisyphus we're bound for, to forever to put up with the same thing daily over and over again only instead of pushing a rock up a hill we have to watch dave smith and archie flower argue on twitter all day every day for forever (laughs) and never come into a consensus that's that's our punishment
2: pretty much and um i i hate to say it but the libertarian party has always been a party just filled with nerds like that's not a bad thing but it also shows why we're so tone deaf when it comes to talking to issues that uh, the majority of people care about, like like you said, a lot of they don't nobody knows who Mises and Rothbard is, and I I also find it particularly funny how we're always highlighting um just maybe one or two individuals and just forgetting about the rest of the people that literally made the party function like David Nolan or um John Hospers and Tony Nathan. I always bring that up and everyone's like who and I'm like yeah the, you know the the people that kind of ran the party when the party first formed, or you know, in the first 10, 20, 30 years of the party, nobody knows. And um, right now, the majority of voters, what they care about, unfortunately, is the culture war. And I think it's a very, very bad idea to feed into that, because there, there is no winning there. Um, and that, that's really what I've been seeing more and more, just um, polarization and more partisanship happening right now. And the middle is just getting squeezed out. They're basically either just joining one side or the other. They're not really, a lot of them aren't coming to us. They're not finding us when they could be.
1: Let me ask you guys this. So you're both left leaning compared to me. I think it's fair to say. Um, the, I think one thing you mentioned earlier, Brianna is that everybody gets kind of drowned out as soon as you start pitching left leaning libertarian politics inside the party, how do we go about getting this fixed? And what I mean by that is in the the Democratic Party, for example, you have AOC who's out there spouting and the squad who's out there spouting, you know, the progressive politics. And then you've got the folks like Pelosi and Biden who are out there spouting more of the conservative, quote unquote, conservative Democrat. Um, politics and they come after each other every once in a while but it's not um, a feature it's a bug you know what I mean like 90% of the time they're just talking to different audiences Mm -hmm. people happy and then 10% of the time they're infighting obviously in the libertarian party that's that's reversed Um, how do we go about getting positive um, voices out there on each side without having all of the the other folks that happen to believe, you know, in the other side attack them and understand the fact that they're both doing good. You know what I mean? So that's one question. And then the second question is, is from a left libertarian standpoint, who out there should we, should we on the right uh, be listening to more and understanding that they're helping the party and help them elevate their voice when I do run into somebody that's on the other side of the aisle. You
2: know what I mean? Okay, I'm, I'm going to try to be quick so I can let uh, Kevin answer too. Um, I think the f- first thing we can do when it comes to um, the, the left and right, quote unquote, in the party is basically talking about bottom unity or the, the concept that there are both left and right libertarians because right now, a lot of people still don't understand that. They refuse to believe that. And that, that's one conversation that needs to be had first and foremost. Like you can say, hey, I'm not a left libertarian because I think this is wrong, right? But saying left libertarians don't exist, it just makes you blatantly incorrect. And that that's what I have a big problem with. I don't give a damn if you're not a left libertarian, or you're not a right libertarian, I don't care. I care about invalidating the existence of different theories and stuff that have existed for hundreds of years, right? um you can make an argument that the lp has always been um our right wing or right leaning and that's true but there also has been left libertarians in the party like carl hess for example who worked with uh, rothbard on um, some lp newsletters way back when but um and to the to the second question when it comes to left libertarians or at least lib socks right cuz there is a differentiation between some left libertarians and libertarian socialists. But when it comes to lip socks, I've noticed that a lot of them, they don't have public figures. They don't really have people that are interested in, I guess, being being a voice, if that makes any sense, at least that I've seen. It's very interesting, at least at least in the LP. I'm not sure about uh, li- uh, left libertarians outside the LP, because a lot of them exist, but they dropped the word libertarian entirely. That's why when it comes to anarchists that aren't in the LP, most of them are leftists. They just don't call themselves libertarians because of the, the left and right hostility over the word libertarian itself. Uh, I think, is that, did I cover your question or no? Did I jump over it?
1: No, you, you did fine. Is there anybody out there on the left-hand side? Uh, that we should really be paying attention to day in and day out that you think is doing the right work in spreading this message?
2: Mm. I think, honestly, I'd have to say, Kevin, there's a few other people um, that I could possibly say, maybe my friend Henry Connolly. But I'd have to really sit down and think. Because a lot of left libertarians in the LP, they aren't very loud voices outside the LP. A lot of them haven't been candidates. A lot of them, you know, don't have large following online, etc, etc, etc. And we should be um, lifting up people with different ideas and stuff. But it's, it's especially hard when you got people in the party trying to, you know, drown them out and whatnot. So it's just very difficult for left libertarians to even exist in the LP because there really isn't that many of them in the LP to begin with. Like everyone likes to make jokes about how the, the libertarian socialist caucus has like is like uprising and like going to take over the party. But like, That's not happening. If you've ever been to a meeting, that is definitely not the case.
0: Kevin. Well, I'll take a swing at it. First of all, um, you brought up the Democrats and how you have, you know, AOC, you have the squad and, and they will do their messaging to their people and they may even buck the, you know, the, we'll say the Kingsmakers of the Democratic Party outside of it but then you'll notice they end up bernie and aoc and ilian omar they end up voting quite a quite a bit along party lines they very rarely step out from that and i think that the reason why we don't see that so much in the lp is because we don't we haven't won a lot of elections what happens with the democrats is they have a winning formula and they have winners and they continue they know that their power comes from winning elections so like you know the winners winners write history The same way that winners write the present. They go along with who's winning in order to keep that power. Once we start winning more elections, especially left and right libertarians, and you see these two messaging dichotomies kind of come together, you'll have people that kind of say, Well, you know, I don't really 100% buy into this. However, it's close enough that I'll support it because we can get behind this candidate to win. But because we haven't, we don't have a winning formula yet. We don't have anybody to back like we haven't we haven't had very many win head to head races, even if you want to look at Justin Amash, Justin Amash didn't win as a libertarian. He became a libertarian afterwards. There have been a couple of people that have done the same thing. So they don't really have a winning formula either. Um, I think as far as what we can do for left leaning libertarians um, and their messaging is I think that, that there's a couple of people that have done well. You've done, you've done well with promoting you know, left libertarians as not being totally insane or crazy. You, know, you and I had a uh, – we had a tweet thread here not too long ago about uh, negative income tax and universal basic income and stuff like that. You, know, you and I are on opposite ends of that spectrum, but I think if you give credence and say like, hey, I, I know that you believe that and I'm totally against it. However, we agree on all of these other things, so like I'm not going to fight you on that. That's what needs to happen. And as that continues to happen, you'll have more left libertarians that kind of gain this – they gain a little bit more notoriety. As far as left-leaning libertarians that um, are doing all the good, you've got um, Thunder, Thunderheart in Oklahoma. Um, I would say Brianna as well um as somebody to listen to i'll self-promote myself you know um these are some of the left libs that are kind of out there and trying to get this message out as far as lib socks go um he doesn't have a huge huge following um but if you if you really want a good lib sock to talk to um i've debated him quite a bit because i'm not a lib sock i'm left-leaning progressive libertarian but not a lib sock uh kevin davis his uh, Twitter mm. handle is left libertine 36. Yeah. Do you know him? He's yes, fantastic. I do. That guy is really smart, really sharp. He, he, he'll give you the, you know, like, Hey, if you, if you want to know about this, then read this book. He's the only reason that I ever read Mac now. Um, and, you know, kind of learned about these early libertarian communists, these uh, anarcho communists and things like that. And, you know, he, cause when he and I were debating, I said, well, you know, a Libsock is basically a Marxist. And he says, well, no, they're not. They're actually more like this. And so I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he starts suggesting books and stuff like that. So he doesn't really just come and attack you. He's offering like, hey, if you actually want to learn this before we debate, like, here's these books that you need to read so that you can know my material. He's really good. He's kind of underappreciated, I think, when it comes to Libsock circles, um, because he's very intelligent. He's very smart. And, uh, He's he he has a way of conveying that message. Um, there aren't a lot of lib socks that are out and about though that are, that are out there because it's kind of a the the problem with it is is that these lib socks are more accepted by the Democrats than they are the Libertarians even though they line up more with us than them and I think that one thing that really needs to happen is people need to learn and accept that. Uh, the Libertarian Party is not capitalist. You know, they support free markets and free markets are not capitalism. Those are used interchangeably, but in a post-state world, you're going to have multiple competing economies. And among those competing economies, you're going to have socialist people. You're going to have communist people. You're going to have agorists. You're going to have people that barter. All of these competing economies can exist in a free market simultaneously. And we need to get away from this idea that um, anybody that, is a social that has socialistic views is automatically just some troll in the middle of the night coming to take all your private property you know and and if you really start looking into what it is that they're saying you know most people whenever you present it like hey would you really have a problem with some commune living outside of your ancapistan You know, would you have a problem with Ann Compton being over here beside Ann Kapistan and they're going to leave you alone. And if you need some vegetables or something, you can go over there and talk to them and I'm sure they'll give you some. No, they don't, because they have this false idea that all people that don't believe in capitalism are ravaging monsters coming to take your stuff. And in reality, that's not the truth at all.
2: Thank you.
1: (laughs) Kevin do what do until like the 40th minute of the podcast to talk about ubi and talk about how socialism is free market that's what he likes to do just to really rile <laughs> me up and see if i take the another half hour or so uh, <laughs> good answer Kevin, other than those words. um all right so brianna what's next for you what's coming what are you doing next in the party what are you looking forward to
2: um, wherever the wind takes me is where I'll go next, pretty much. I'm doing way too many things right now. So I'm really trying to hand some things off my plate so I can focus on um, organizations like Outright and People for Liberty, because they're doing some great stuff, honestly. And really, I'm just I really want to just do more work with people that are not in the party now because I'm getting sick of my fellow libertarians and I need a little break from so- some of them. But um, I'm just, you know, I, I haven't left the party yet. As many times as I've thought about it, I'm still here and kicking. So y- y'all will be seeing plenty of me <laughs> around.
1: Awesome. Well, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, so after this episode, they can look you up on the various social media accounts.
2: Um, well, I'm Brianna Coyle pretty much um, everywhere. Uh, I, I think you can find me on Twitter at BR1. A-N-N-A underscore C O Y L E or B one coil. That's most of my social media ads, I believe. Something something along those lines, one or the other, <laughs> depending on the social media. But Twitter is where I'm doing most of my uh libertarian stuff outside of Facebook. It used to be Facebook, but now I'm kind of digging Twitter a little bit more.
1: Yeah, it was funny when you said that uh anybody who wants to learn about the Libertarian Party should join Facebook because I always tell people the exact opposite. Um, but I think it's because Facebook has, one, uh, has a lot more of the, the left libertarians and the longtime libertarians, and Twitter has a lot more of the right libertarians and the newer libertarians.
2: And well, I found a mix of both in both spaces, but I think yeah. when it comes to Facebook, once you start getting um, people on your friends list, you start getting recommended mutuals. And I yeah. think it's just easier to find people that are better connected in the party that way than through Twitter because I noticed a lot of them don't use Twitter which is really strange because they should
1: <laughs> yeah and I think you're right I <clears throat> I ended up making a Facebook account specifically for politics uh, I'm my, so sorry yeah yeah well my <laughs> wife was like could you please stop following all these people that are flooding your timeline you know I can't see any of your friends you know pictures and posts anymore <laughs> so, so I made one specifically for politics and ended up with you know a thousand people. Uh, immediately just because uh, all those recommendations and other people getting recommended and stuff like that so. Interesting. Yep,
2: I, I, I get it. I used my Facebook originally. I, this was my second Facebook. I think I was like, all right, this is going to be for friends and family only. And then maybe a few months later, just all libertarians. I hardly ever see anything from my non-libertarian friends and family anymore. They probably all hate me now. They've definitely pressed the, the unfollow button or something so they can see less on of me on their timelines. I know for certain.
1: <laughs> Kevin, what else to you get?
0: That's it for me. I'm glad to have another uh, commie supervillain on here. Um, I appreciate you coming on. I know. Uh, Yeah, I look forward to having you on again. Uh, Like I said, thanks for coming on and good luck to you in your future endeavors. I hope to see you at convention.
1: Definitely. And
2: thanks for having me, y'all, because I I really enjoyed this conversation. I wish it could go on longer, honestly. (laughs) I have so many things to say.
1: We love uh, love the dynamic here where we have one you know, left and one right. It's just it always makes for an interesting conversation. So once I finally convince uh, and con- Kevin over to the right side, we'll be looking to you to step uh-huh. in the co-host. So <laughs>
2: Hey, hey I'm, not, I'm not even as far left as people think I am. I, I like to call myself an anarcho-centrist because on some of those little quizzes, I'm on the left. Some of them I'm on the right. I'm kind of Right near the center line even though i can't get directly on the line but i aspire to get on the line well, one exactly of
1: these days. interesting that we should probably make that point right before we leave that all three of us took that um took that you know political quiz uh, mm-hmm. and we were all not that far away from each other right mm-hmm. when, when we laid it out i mean it was surprising how close we were we were basically on the exact same line as far as how far down and then it just the only difference was the right to left. Um, yeah, pretty much. You, yeah, it just goes to show you that we agree on, you know, 90% of what we're all talking about. And then and then the three of us, luckily, don't spend the majority of our time fighting with each other. But um, yes, shows how close libertarians are, even when we disagree on um, some major things we agree on, the majority of the platform. So.
2: Yeah, and, and a lot of people don't realize that there's so many different varieties of libertarian, everyone always wants to think that their singular variety is the one true libertarian. And it's like, no, these are, there's different um, schools of thought in libertarianism. And I love, I I can't say I'm too well-versed in all of them, but I just love learning about them because it's interesting, it's fascinating to me. It's fascinating to see the origins of the party and all of the different people that came together and said, hey let's, let's do this. Let's form an anti-authoritarian party. And just, ugh, I'm such a nerd sometimes. Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Hey, it's been awesome. It's a great episode. We'll definitely have you back as you do more in the party, you know, feel free to reach out to us if you have anything you want to talk about at any given time. Um, and no, it's been a blast. Thanks for coming on.
2: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah. Thank you.